Praying with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So today we're going to we were talking about you know, the prodigal son, as we as we have heard, um, and our Lord Jesus Christ was so specific in his in his parables, you know, calling who and sending the message to who. So this parable was called to the Pharisees and the scribes, who was grumbling all the time over Jesus because of his fellowship with the sinners and rejoicing with them. You know, he would go and eat with the, the sinners and go enter their houses. And of course, the Pharisees did not like this. As we look for the identification of these two sons, like I mentioned before, many fathers suggested that the elder son represents the Jews and the prodigal son represents the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Which is us. This will never been Jews before, meaning the people of the whole world other than the Jews. The younger son deserved to lose this privilege of a son because he, we're going to talk about this in details, he was asking about his inheritance early on. It was not time for this, but he wanted it early. To leave his father's house to depart from himself into a far country, it is like leaving the church and separating himself from Christ to go to a land of darkness that will deprive him of his goods. To give oneself over to the realm of lustful passion is to be delivered into the kingdom of darkness. Whenever I leave the church and ask myself, I'd like to be on my own doing whatever I want. I want bad things for myself entering this kingdom of darkness. The famine he experienced is the famine of God's word. And his hunger comes from not receiving the spiritual nourishment that leads to a full and abundant life. This is the real hunger that this younger son has experienced. His, the irony is that he has traded the splendor of his father's house for a bed among swine. He left all of this riches to be among the swine. If that is not bad enough, he is so desperate for the food that he begins to desire the food of the pigs, which would be unappetizing and lack nourishment, like the food offered by the devil. Despite his sins, the spirit has not departed him, but he's still a son who knows the love and the mercy of his father. To return to his father's house is to return to Eden again and to be reunited with his dear ones. This is his first confession. We're connecting the dots here. This is his first confession in which he seeks reconciliation with the Father. And following the pattern that we pray all the time with the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, the prodigal son confesses that his Father in heaven knows his sin. His confession addresses both his earthly and heavenly Father. He is no longer worthy to be called a son. And he is willing to come as a laborer in the vineyard. One is a son through birth, or a friend through virtue, or a servant through labor, and a slave through fear. I'm going to repeat this again because it is a little bit deep. One is as a, being a son through birth. We are sons through birth. We are friends with God through virtue when we do good things. We are servants through labor when we come to the church and labor and work in the church. 
But we will be slaves if we are afraid through fear. So we are sons, friends, and servants, but never slaves. Make sense? The father initiates the restoration of the son by running to the son, falling on his neck and giving him the kiss of reconciliation. He's waiting for us. I cannot translate Forgive me. Jesus, well, if you, need, if you have somebody next to you who wants to understand it, please explain. <laughs> Jesus' description of the Father's action is a portrait of complete and total grace, of unconditional love that comes to us in the Father sending his Son in the Incarnation. This is the true and full love. And the village where the Father lives, so many people around him, would see that the Son has been restored to the Father's house, for he has received the ring and the honor and the sandals that restores him to the sonship. The father has welcomed back this prodigal to the divine feast as his son. But Christ, like being the fatted calf, was sacrificed only at the command of the father to provide for us daily food. Already there was an incense offering of Zechariah in the temple that the fatted calf is present who will be offered up for the younger son. You remember in the Old Testament, when the priests go and, and put the incense, the, the fatted calf is outside, waiting for this rituals or this prayers to, to be done, then the slaughter will happen after, outside. Adam, who was lost in sin, is now found in Christ. And this even applies to the Gentiles, who are dead and are now alive. This is just an overview of all what is written in the gospel today. I'm going to concentrate on two, like I always do, two, two, two parts, very simple. This parable, like I mentioned, calls for the Pharisees to rejoice over the repentance of the sinners. What is this? What's the object of this parable? Let's examine this occasion and, le and that led to, uh, that, you know, give us the truth. St. Luke said this, Christ the Savior for us all. He never said that Christ is for one specific people, for the Gentiles or for the, for the Jews only, but for us all. The Pharisees and scribes made this outcry at his love to people. They were so upset. They wickedly blamed him for receiving and teaching people whose lives were impure. Christ said before them this parable, he clearly shows them that God of all requires even the steadfast, the firm, the holy, the good people to be serious in following his will. Whether we're good or not, whether we are the best, but still we are sinners, that we do bad things, that we have to be serious in following him. What are these, the identities of these two sons? I'm going to read specifically what St. Cyril of Alexandria said. It is the opinion of some that the two sons signify the holy angels and us signifies the holy angels and us. We are the earth dwellers. The elder one who lived soberly represents the company of the holy angels, while the younger and prodigal son is the human race. Some among us give it a different explanation, arguing that the older and the well-behaved son 
signifies Israel after the flesh, and the other son who chose to live in the lust of pleasures and moved far away from his father depicts the company of the Gentiles. Other, one of the fathers, his name is Peter, he said this, he had two sons, that is, two peoples, the Jews and the Gentiles. Prudent knowledge of the law made the Jews people his older son, and the folly of paganism made the Gentile world his younger son. Just as surely as wisdom brings this, uh, um, just as surely as wisdom brings distinguished gray hairs, so does foolishness take away the trails of an adult. Of course, you know, just the, the, the same word again, the same meaning that the older son represents the Jews and the younger son represents us, which are the Gentiles. The father steps outside and says to his elder son, Son, you're always with me. How is he with his son always? How would this happen? In the person of Adam, Abel, Enoch, and Noah, and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on, and even Moses, and all the holy men from which stems Christ himself, he came from this lineage, Jewish, Jewish lineage, we can read in the Gospels that Abraham begotten Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and so on. And we went all the way till we got Jesus, through David, of course. And Christ was born for both the elder son also and the younger son as well. All that is mine is yours, the son, the father said to the elder son. I'm trying to concentrate on the elder son who was very upset. How is this? All that is mine is yours. Because God gave him the law, the prophecies, the temple, the priesthood, the sacrifices, everything God gave the older son for him to worship God correctly. But this is the greatest gift of all that Christ was born. Since you through your je jealousy wish to destroy your brother, you are no longer worthy to possess your father's banquet and joy. Simply because I'm not anti-Jews, but it is the idea of the Jews rejected Jesus till today. And because of their jealousy, till today, they are not welcomed into the church because it's not like they're rejected, but they reject themselves. They're waiting outside. The elder son came and he heard the music inside there and the party is going on. He refused to go inside there and he was so jealous outside and called his father out and said, how come you do this to the younger son after he's done all of these bad things and I'm with you all the time? He refused to get in. This is the point. Indeed, that the harvest indeed is abundant, but the laborers are few. To leave the Father is to depart from oneself. And this is the last point I would like to, to concentrate on. The divine inheritance is given to those who ask. We come to the church and we ask. We ask for the inheritance. We want the eternal life. This is the inheritance we're asking for. You should not think that the father was guilty because he gave to the younger son. He gave him what he wanted. There is no <coughs> frail age in the kingdom of God, nor in the faith weighed down by years, that the kingdom of God will never get old or expire. That's why, you know, we always ask for something that will, will last forever. 
After he went abroad, this is the younger son, he who departed from the church wasted his inheritance, and the word after, it says, leaving his home and the country, he went abroad into a distant country, meaning the kingdom of darkness. Um, when the father welcomes the prodigal son to his divine feast as a son, he gets up, come to his father and confess to him, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired servants. When he confesses like that, he will be considered worthy for more than what he is prayed. He's asking to be dealt with as one of the servants, but the father brought him in as his son. His father neither takes him in like a hired servant nor treats him like a stranger. Oh no, but he kisses him as a son. He accepts him as a dead man came back to life again. He counts him worthy of the divine feast and gives him this precious garment at once again. Now there is singing and joy in the father's home. What happened is the result of the father's grace and the loving kindness. Not only does he bring his son back from death, but also through the spirit he clearly, clearly shows his grace. To replace corruption, he clothes him with an incorruptible robe. To satisfy hunger, he kills the fatted calf. The father provides shoes to his feet so that he will never go back away, away in, in this faraway land again. Most wonderful, wonderful of all, he puts a divine ring upon his hand. By all these things, the father elevates him or elevates us as new in the image and the glory of Christ and glory be to God forever. Amen. We want to thank you so much for listening to St. Basil's podcast. We hope that you have gained spiritually from our remarkable speakers and we appreciate your support towards this podcast. St. Basil American Coptic Orthodox Church is looking to purchase a home and we would love for you to be a part of our community. We are looking to raise funds towards this novel mission, Orthodoxy in an American Context within the San Diego area. You may donate online through our website, www.stbasil.net. That's www.stbasil.net. Or click on the link below and it will take you to our donations page. You may also mail in your contribution at the address located on our website. We thank you for any contribution, and may our Lord Jesus Christ always bless your heart and home.